yeah, just like how how certain crops are grown and what practices to use as even as small scale as a garden to as large scale as a commercial farm, you know, like looking back historically, that is the backbone of how of how societies began, like having being able to grow our own food was the reason why we could begin to grow as a culture or other cultures to grow as a culture and then eventually lead into this and for better or for worse, you know, it, it, it was the beginning. So having that connection and beginning to understand how to connect with what you're growing or just what's around you and how to use it is amazing. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for joining me, your host, Colin Kurtz, tightening the mic, a little loose. Welcome to Movement Matters. Guest, my guest today, your uh, the one you get to learn from today is Victoria Holderer, a local celebrity to say the least. I'm sure she's laughing as I say that. Um... But yeah, she's uh, developing a bit of a celebrity in the town. Don't you think so, Victoria? I think so. Either way, what a show. What a great show. Lots to say about this one. I'm probably going to ramble a little bit and end with uh, Victoria's bio, but generally, great show. Well, absolutely, all around great show. We were planning this one for a while. It's one of the most prepared, it's one of the shows I've prepared for the most. I've been doing a bit more preparing. I think that's because people, well, there's an increasing variety of guests on this show. Um, and they, they appreciate having a sense of what we're going to discuss. Used to be a lot of just, yeah, come on, let's see what happens. Because I feel pretty good about doing that. But more and more so, especially because we're getting specific, we're getting really focused. Um, I think the quality is increasing. and People want to they want to know what we're going to get into. Be prepared. Speaking of being prepared, um, this show is brought to you by three different sponsors. One of them being the Philadelphia Table Company. Let's say something sincere about them today, shall we? Um, create custom furniture pieces designed with you for you, designed with you for your unique space. Why did it take me so long to read that sentence? Uh, well, because <laughs> it just did. Um, because I was looking something up at the same time, admittedly. Philadelphia, I was looking up a little ditty about them, but Philadelphia Table Company, I've talked about them a lot. I often say sort of silly things about them, but I've been trying to, they're giving me more specific plugs. And for now, custom furniture pieces, I'll say it, anything from a table to uh stairs. You can get some fancy stairs. You can get, what's the, 
things. What's the most interesting thing they've done? Any kind of table you can imagine, from a coffee table to a dining room table to a Dungeons and Dragons game table. They do it all, but they're also pretty good at uh, essentially what a desk. Um, but they just designed a. That's what I was looking up. This one that they just designed. It's pretty cool. It's for. See, this is what happened. I got lost wondering if it was. Oh, there it is. Yeah, it's in their story. It's a custom mail room counter. Wow. <laughs> Why not, right? Because they can. That's what Griffin likes to say. Why? Because I can. It's a good affirmative attitude. Speaking of Griffin, just got back from a little weekend getaway um, two days ago. Feels like you're still in the just returning, just getting back into the the, nor the routines, if you will. And it was a great trip. If you've never been to Rhinebeck, New York, uh, I'll put a little plug in for that too. Get yourself up to Rhinebeck, New York. It's beautiful. It's kind of like the greater Philadelphia or greater um, Delaware River scene, especially New Hope, Doylestown scene, but with mountains. I think that's a pretty fair assessment. Um, I love it up there. The Omega Institute is a big part of what's up there. So what else? What else? It's hot. I think we're talking about the heat a lot right now. Um, admittedly, I do have the AC on both at Koru and at home. Uh, not pumping. I don't think it's obnoxious, but technically I'm using it. And I'd like to say that it's just for sleeping, and there's some truth to that, but it's not, it's not the whole story. And I'm thinking about how Seattle and generally Northwest, right? The Northwest, it's pretty hot. Apparently, it's the hottest it's been. And this is a relevant little um, sort of segue, except we're not going to go right into the show, but it's certainly relevant to the conversation with Victoria. Um, you know, we definitely intended to talk about climate change and, uh, I guess global warming. I know there's some backstory to both of those different labels, but we primarily, yeah, we focused on ecology, sustainability, the reality of biodiversity and, and what can we be doing now? All of us, especially people listening uh besides just watching it all unfold and there i think there is a lot and that is a big theme for this conversation but with regard to watching it unfold it i'm aware that some people don't have ac in seattle in the northwest and wow <laughs> i've lived in pretty hot areas and you better have water nearby you better have cold water nearby you better have access to cold water you know, we, we're very adaptable. We're a very, very adaptable species, but getting caught um, unprepared is not not necessary and not worth it. If you, yeah, it's worth preparing. It's worth preparing. Uh, people are talking about vaccines again, uh, or not again, I guess still, and a lot, and I'm not really sure to say about it it's kind of on my mind because we're tempted to reopen koru's sort of group activity um 
component. Next Friday, we're going to, I think we're going to have an elements party. Um, tempted to say you can <laughs> come no matter what, but it's also tempting to be a little particular. And especially because I'm pretty sure that a variety of people in terms of their relationship to the vaccines and the relationship to COVID will want to come. And I'm just aware, like in comparison to this time last year, really, it's hard to be sure exactly what's truly different. Like we're, we don't really know a whole lot more than we did last year, except maybe courtesy of John Stewart, we're willing to admit that obviously this was developed in a lab, uh, but that doesn't change what we're needing to be doing right now. And by the way, if you haven't seen the John Stewart kind of rant, it's so worth your time. I think you'll really enjoy it. I recommend it. No matter where you are in the, no matter what your beliefs are, it's funny. And I know this is going to be offensive to say, but I'm really learning to embrace the middle-aged white Jewish man that I, I think I might be, a.k.a. the old curmudgeon <laughs> the old curmudgeon fellow that I, I think I truly am, or at least in part. I'm, I'm connecting with Jon Stewart and people like that a lot more. It's got to be, that's got to be the link, right? Secretly, I'm a middle-aged Jewish man. Hey, on that note, <laughs> um, one of our other sponsors, Native Cafe. I had a dream about Jay the other night. Jay, I won't say too much about it. I don't want to embarrass you too much, just a little bit. But there were two of you. I don't know why. I think that was like your, you and your twin brother. But this is what I'm going to say. Native Cafe where the owners are so dreamy, they may just appear in your subconscious. Either that or bagels. Everybody loves a good bagel. Try the Thai-flavored pork breakfast sandwich or sando if you're hip on an everything bagel. You will not regret it. Wash it down with a cup of coffee. You may regret it later, but you won't regret it at first. Um, let's see. Water levels are going to rise. You know, if there was one thing that you would expect all of us to be able to rally around and to recognize, oh, okay, yeah, that's going to affect me regardless of, you know, religious beliefs, social status, economics, uh, socioeconomic um, distinctions, water levels rising. It's going to affect me no matter what. And... I don't know. I think part of my, it's a bittersweet gift I have. Uh, generally it's, yeah, it's, it's good. But I, I think we have so much more capacity. Well, first off, we're so much more able to cooperate and think and act as a collective than we tend to do. Like I know we're capable. I also know life's better when you think and act individually and collectively, not one or the other, but both. Life's absolutely better. Like, you can quote me. And even if you can buy the biggest yacht, even if you can buy 
you know, build a home far away from it all, or even a bunker where you won't get affected by the heat, as is uh, <laughs> probably happening for some people, and you won't get affected by water levels rising, et cetera, et cetera. Um, it's just so obvious that it's going to be a big enough game changer that's going to affect all of us. That I would imagine, I just don't see how people wouldn't want to rally around that. Like the one key, the one thing we are nearly 100% sure is going to happen sea levels are going to rise, which is going to have a domino effect in so many ways that we can predict and cannot predict. You'd think that one little detail would be enough to catalyze a more or less complete willingness to adapt and adjust and accommodate. But um, yeah, we'll see. We'll see if that happens. That's that's what I'm banking on. Regardless, again, this conversation with Victoria is mostly about what we can be on a very, well, to whatever scale you consider to be your local scale, you can be engaged in a very deliberate way. There's a lot we could be doing. Um, on that note, last thing I'll just say is, you know, movement. I'm always talking about movement as the primary tool for becoming more aware in general. And I specifically mean aware of um, how to take care of yourself and to take care of others. Um, I believe that is imperative. No, it's, I don't believe it. It is, again, it is... A, completely it's what is needed for quote unquote real real wellness but i want to say that it is irrelevant you taking care of yourself is irrelevant your capacity to experience wellness isn't even real if you don't have a context of understanding yourself in relationship to all of the world to all of what we call the environment to existence itself it's just not possible otherwise so that particular context isn't just something that would be nice and it's like oh yeah you can you can be part of you can think about that and you don't have to it's like no this is pretty much what we need across the board and um that's why i'm always you know presenting everything with a with a uh, i guess educational narrative or an educate with the desire for it to seem educational because i don't think there is any real long-term uh, solutions for unnecessary challenges than education hey lastly third sponsor tony ortiz art do you want to add a beautiful work of art to that beautiful dining room that you put a nice Philadelphia table company in where you're going to eat your bagel sandwich and drink your delicious coffee. Tony Ortiz art. Get a gorgeous local Bucks County painting to accompany your table and coffee. It's the trifecta that and a garden. Uh, which is relevant again to Victoria, who left, moved on from, uh, retired from, if you will, 
just recently, Indigenous Ingenuities. And yeah, she uh, was with that company for quite some time and has now moved on. Which I guess is a good, again, what else is there to rant about before I say more about Victoria? There's so much you could say about her, and she gave me a good little uh, <laughs> few sentences to say. But what else? Um, I don't know. We'll see if I get to it in the outro. Well, yeah. All right. So this thing that I wrote recently about our culture is essentially a uh, confusion factory. I just want to acknowledge it doesn't have to be that way. That's a provocative statement. It's probably going to be the opening line to the book on freedom. Uh, or it's not called on freedom. It's the tyranny of freedom. But our culture is essentially a confusion factory. And it doesn't have to be. That's why education is so critical. You know, I, you got to understand, I spend a lot... You don't have to understand. <laughs> I have many conversations with many different people which reinforce or catalyze uh, which reinforce certain perspectives but we're always testing them out like good little scientists try to do and catalyze new perspectives and I get a pretty good variety uh, a pretty good diverse sort of yeah, I have, I have diverse test subjects in this particular kind of experiment. And we continue to see a lot of consistency in terms of, well, we need to reform education. We need to rethink what it means to be human. We need to inherently question to what extent do, do is it necessary for the for there to be an interruption to a particular kind of connection or awareness that we all probably have and could continue to have throughout our whole lives. Is there a necessary interruption to that or is that mostly or entirely a result of our culture? So I just want to let you know, these questions aren't just sitting in my head like a little, like in my own little crazy um, vacuum. I mean, I'm crazy, but I don't live entirely in my own little vacuum. I think. I don't know. We'll have to check with people. <laughs> All right. On that note, Victoria Holderer. Um, she works with Kind Earth Growers at this point. She is a propagator and education commu slash community outreach. Uh, oh, she is the, yeah, that is her role with Kind Earth Growers. <laughs> Sorry, Victoria. <laughs> propagator and education slash community outreach um, person. She's a graduate of Temple University. She has a bachelor's of science in horticulture. And all around, she is an all around wearer of many hats, although she did not have a hat on when she came to our show. She's a native plants expert, that's for damn sure, gardening extraordinaire, I met her in the context of being a gardener actually, ecologist, biologist, naturalist, environmental steward, this is already a pretty badass list, and she's even an artist. Um, she engages in educational outreach again education that's why I was comfortable kind of ranting there for a while about this 
uh, with the um, Instagram handle Lil, L-I-L, Lil Bean Science. And she's also currently now doing more of this, I believe. I think it's relatively new, but um, I could be wrong about that. Needless to say, it's happening. She's giving a lot of native or taking people on native plant hikes, generally forest walks. Um, and she's doing environmental slash gardening consulting, which we talk a lot about. She also volunteers with ARC Wildlife Rehabilitation Center, which is lovely, great place over near Peace Valley, um, helping, of course, to rehab, rehabilitate wild animals. And, of course, she worked with Indigenous Ingenuities, a very, very successful local um, company nearby, or here in Bucks County, uh, for three years. And as far as she's concerned, for your re-listening capabilities, that covers the whole nine yards. And with that, enjoy getting to know and learning from Victoria Holderer. And we'll also clap beforehand, so because that'll help sync up these. Okay. I've learned that's an that's an important detail. Interesting. Okay. Yeah, it's fun to clap too. Yeah. Um. Do you feel ready? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, then let's clap. You want to clap okay. with me, or want me to do it? I'll clap with you. All right, you ready? Okay. We'll do three of them. All right, here we go. All right. Okay. That'll help for them. How does it help exactly? I don't know. Ask Lorenz. He says, the cl- it's that? like uh, he does the editing for a lot of this. Okay. So the clap or the, I forget what it's called, but the contraption that you close down. like. Yeah. 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 Movement matters episode, whatever this is. Uh-huh. Go. That actually has a purpose. It's not just like a fun little gimmick. No. Okay. It's so the editors have a, my understanding is they can like pinpoint where to pick up certain things based on the sound. Gotcha. Okay. So they can see that that's the high point and it's easier to cut and paste. Cool. I could be wrong about that, but that's my basic understanding. Better than what I had. <laughs> Sounds good. Um, so we're officially, are we officially in character? I am in character today. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, as, sure. As little bean world. Yeah. Victoria. Yeah. <laughs> hey, you're a Doylestown celebrity, as we uh, I don't mentioned know what already. You mean by that, though. Only because of what you said Paolo said. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. That's all. Just because you brought up having a fan, joking. Yes. 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 My celebrity status is growing. Exactly. One. Plus one. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. At least one. Mm-hmm. That's all that matters. So we have our itinerary here, which yes. is fun to have created. Mm-hmm. Um, but tell me about Arnold. <laughs> Arnold? Oh, God. Okay, so, yeah, my brother and I were just down at the shore the past weekend, and we were just walking. Just the two of you? With my family. My okay. mom and dad were also down, too. Um, but my brother and I specifically were walking along the point of Stone Harbor, which I don't know if you've been there, but that's a very kind of like a natural area. There's no lifeguards. People don't really walk down there. Okay. So it's just like a quieter area of the beach. And we were enjoying some uh, a bird called piping plovers, which is very similar to like a sandpiper. Yes, totally. Yeah. And so we were watching one and it was um, kind of down by the water, enjoying itself, looking for food, that kind of thing. And people would come by and would have to run back up. And we were joking that um, the, 
that it was like we he just like out of nowhere was just like back to the bunker like Arnold Schwarzenegger <laughs> and um yeah we were just like joking about that as like as they would run back and they're like okay then now we're safe and then like oh back to the bunker again like, <laughs> just, just going off about that so yeah so you, that's where that Arnold came from got it just the piping plovers you turned the piping plover plover mm-hmm. into an Austrian um Alien killing bodybuilder. Australian, yeah. Austrian. Is he Australian? No, no. Um, He's Austrian. Yes, I know that part for sure. Oh, or okay. or that region. He's not Australian. No. Oh, yeah, he's definitely okay. European. I'm pretty sure it's Austria. Yeah. Nice. Either way, yes. He. Yeah. Getting to get back to the bunker. Get him to the chopper. Wonderful. Get to the chopper. <laughs> Well, it did make, and I will look it up because there was another one I wanted to ask you about just recently because okay. they are entertaining and it is partly probably why you certainly have fans. Like just this one, I took a photo of it to make sure I knew to, I could reference it easy and ask you just this. Um, okay. So bees and butterflies are not the only pollinators. Like oh, where yeah. do you find these? Memes? <laughs> they're, oh. But they're so specific to what you... You don't make them, right? Oh, no. Yeah. And no. then you feeding radical ecology, which is probably the main thing, honestly, that I would think of getting into with you uh-huh. or just ecology in general, connecting with sustainability. I think most of what yeah, yeah. this list is about is kind of that, mm-hmm. your science background, to say the least. Mm-hmm. But it's cute. You're you're the you're the we need a bigger boat guy feeding jaws. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I yeah. was like, where does she find these? They're, they they are up. so entertaining. They show up. Yeah. They show up. That's what uh, Instagram algorithms, that's entirely based off that. Really? Yeah. They show up on my feed. They like, you know, like that explore page yes. on Instagram. That's where I find them. Interesting. Based on what you're Based on what I click on. For, yeah. Have you seen the social dilemma? <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, it's, it's that. You... It's that in a nutshell. Right. Oh mm-hmm. yeah, mine are definitely not that. So I need to. I need better. You need to control what you click. I need to control <laughs> what I click more, mm-hmm. and I need more entertaining. Like yes, ecologically entertaining, or ecology entertainment, sustainability entertainment. This is a good mushroom one though. That's connected to oh, you. Oh, which one? Sporgy mushrooms. That looks oh, cute. Oh, that's beautiful. Isn't that beautiful? Wow. Yeah. Um. And now hopefully we'll get more of that since we talked about it too, there right? There you go. Mm-hmm. That's how it works. Mm-hmm. So, and I, yeah, social dilemma is very, very important to me. Um, mm-hmm. We didn't talk about this beforehand at all, but you, I think you know I wrote a book. Or maybe you don't. You don't know. Great. Well, I thought it wasn't published yet. It's not. Okay. Um, but I did finish it. Oh, okay. I finished the first draft. I'm editing it. I did so not know I that. Guess, can I say I wrote a book yet? You can say I that. feel like I can say it. Yeah, you can say it. It's a whole book. So mm-hmm. I'm okay saying it. It's <laughs> nice. not published yet, though. But I, I build off of one key line from The Social Dilemma, actually. Mm-hmm. Um, near can, the end. Can Trist- you divulge which line? Yeah, it's the one where Tristan Harris says, this was not planned, by the way, for anyone. This was not part of our, seriously, we can read the whole itinerary. This is not part <laughs> of it at all. But the near the end of the film, Tristan Harris and um, I think his name is Richard McNamara. Okay. I've referenced it enough that I, I hopefully got that right. It's either Robert or Richard McNamara. They both say almost the same thing, and that is 
to paraphrase, like it doesn't, it's not really about social media. It's not really about technology. It's about the problem. The, the, the dilemma is whether or not we can agree on anything. And the direct quote is from Tristan. If we do not agree, if we cannot agree on what is true, or even that there is such a thing as truth, we're toast. That's the direct line. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So our capacity to move forward is entirely dependent on whether or not we can agree on what is true, and I would say real. Mm-hmm. And that was, to me, that was the whole point of the movie. That was like the underlying thesis of the film. Mm-hmm. And now, so that's interesting because <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> obviously that also pertains very closely to, to climate change. People are kind of on both sides of that of that wall. Like, is it real? Is it not real? And that becomes kind of a political conversation too at a certain extent. But um, yeah, you, you, you fall into that issue where what are the facts? And then do people believe the facts or do they choose not to? And that very much is based off of, I think, probably how, how they view the world themselves. Um, so that can be, yeah, that can be a pretty tough thing, both on a social level, interacting online, and then on a, on a larger level too, just like science, science facts, things. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's a universal problem at the moment. It's mm-hmm. the universal dilemma, not just social, wow. and not just social yeah. media. It's, yeah. it's the primary human conundrum at the moment. Mm-hmm. Um, and I guess, yeah, the question is, to what extent do we have to agree? On what scale do we have to agree? Is we just a country? Is we just a family? Is we just a town? Is we the whole species? I guess it depends on how... You know, uh, probably all of those and in different ways are, would be good because I guess it just depends on the the scale you're capable of influencing and, and the scale that you um, imagine yourself engaging in at any particular moment. And yeah, if there's a species problem like climate change, then it seems like on that scale, we probably need <laughs> a, a, a whole collective Mm-hmm. The whole race to be sort of, sort of on the same page, cooperating, yes, together, which is quite a <laughs> which, seemingly quite a problem. Yes, um, I believe on that front. You know, I, I, on a on a political level, which I don't really want to get into politics much, but like that. But it's kind of the inevitable, don't you think? Yeah, I mean, how the world at large is run and run by these major powers is how a lot of countries begin to formulate how they function. So Mm. what principles are they working off of? What rules, laws, all of that? What are the regulations that they need to abide by, which can either be very climate friendly or can be very climate pain or hurtful. So on that note, I think I'm pretty sure Biden is rejoining the, the climate Paris the, the Paris Agreement, yeah. So that's said he was if he didn't already. Right, yeah. So that's a plus on that front, but um, there's but not according to everybody. Right, right, <laughs> right. Exactly. So how to find that middle ground is a is a weird weird place to be in. Um, you know, I was just doing some research today in preparation of this and just trying to figure out, like, <laughs> what is what is our current Based state? Based on our list here? Yeah, somewhat <laughs> so, yeah. 
and like trying to figure out what is what is the status of the world right now climate climate wise temperature wise everything and are we gonna be all right victoria yeah (laughs) are we gonna be all right that is a loaded question to ask especially to to me and yeah right now but yeah i mean uh, i hope so very much so and i think the growing awareness is very reassuring to an extent but you got to times that by 8 billion people and think about how many of those people are in the same boat that I would say you and I are in. And that's yeah. hard to, that's hard to gauge. Um, well, it'd be worth, I think, creating that boat in this conversation, like mm. build that boat in, verbally. Build that to make boat. It, to make it, <laughs> well, to make it very apparent and very visible. Um, mm-hmm. I honestly think that's a big, that's the main motivation here for me with a lot of these shows. Um, and things like you, you came here nearly two years ago for that wonderful workshop with Seth and, right. and Radical Support Collective. Yeah. That's obviously very relevant. I think you're right, though. There is a lot to be, you didn't use, I think you used the word hopeful. Did you say hopeful? I don't remember. Yeah. Let's check. <laughs> but I'll say it. I think there is a lot to feel hopeful about. The growing awareness is, is real, I think. There is, it does seem like that. Mm-hmm. I feel mostly pretty I don't want to say hopeful, actually, or optimistic, but um, comfortable with what's... It seems like the awareness is growing enough that it's worth just staying, like at the end of the day, just maintaining, being aware of that, mm-hmm. being aware of the fact that things are... like Okay, so here's a very concrete example. The That film is important. There's another one that came out last year, which I thought was... Um, even more profound, fantastic fungi talking about mushrooms. I haven't seen that. It's so good. And you will love it. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Griffin and I saw it at the county theater, actually, right before everything changed, just that Sunday before um, March 13th last year. And it's very worth watching. But basically, I think all of that information is increasingly popular, is increasingly sort of... um, common conversation topic and common knowledge even and just not not in little bubbles it's like the bubble is expanding the the interest in those kinds of unique or maybe academic or just um, alternative perspectives is clearly growing Mm -hmm. so people i hear people talking a lot and not because i'm causing the conversation or catalyzing it but i hear people talking a lot about just the fact that all the trees and the plants are communicating in the soil and they're all connected. And did you know they're supporting each other and that yeah. permaculture is actually the the most important path for, um, for the environment and also for humans because really diversity is the only solution and monocultures and mon- monotonous approaches to things are actually wow. incredibly destructive. Yeah, okay. so I can ramble yeah. on it for a while, but mm-hmm. I hear this a lot, mm-hmm. not just in That's good. little bubbles. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's yeah. really good. I mean, that's all very true. The diversity is key to moving forward. So creating a stronger biodiversity out there is how we're going to begin to fix some of the major issues going on. You know, in addition in addition to temperatures rising kind of thing. Um, I'm going to move you just a little closer. Yeah. You can sit back. Thank you. Yeah. Um, in addition to temperatures rising, like there is a a large scale 
decrease in biodiversity out there. So that's not only just plants, but also animals too, which equally feed off of one another. They One needs the other to survive and to continue to grow and prosper, um, which is definitely like one of the points I wanted to bring up too, is just like making sure that we're doing our part to increase biodiversity and whatever we can do. Um, on on the list of the golden <laughs> list i know this is i don't yeah um well it, it's just as a guideline for yes. us because clearly it it's helpful refer to it yeah i, I think I we will. are we're in the thick of it yeah yeah we are I'm, I'm looking at some of it again and it's yeah just keep going Th yeah. this is just our little guideline here um yeah one of uh, my very, like one of my inspirational people, uh, Doug Tallamy, he's a professor down or was at least a professor down at the University of Delaware and has done a lot of work talking about um, how for how to kind of like one of his his one of his recent books, um, A Nature's Best Hope or Be A Best Hope. I can't remember exactly the title, but it talks a lot about increasing biodiversity in our own in our own area, so in our own yards, in our backyards, that is like the perfect opportunity to create the habitat that we're losing. Yeah? yeah, that we're losing in the local forests, meadows, you know, like there's a lot of development going on. I see that a lot here, even in Doylestown, and I see it anywhere I go. And whenever there's a lot of development, you're losing a lot of habitat for animals, for species, for trees and birds and everything. So while we're losing that, for maybe a housing development, that housing development could still exist there, but also become a habitat, a continued habitat for those creatures. So it's not just being lost, it's just maybe being changed slightly. So that would be like the balancing act that we could begin to find moving forward as, as you know, one route. And is that as simple? The title, obviously, mm -hmm. you can read it here, is Nature's Best Hope, A New Approach to Conservation That Starts in Your Yard. Good title. Exactly. Is it... Is that really, um, I guess, the most profound and best place to start? It makes sense. Just change your yard into mm -hmm. a wildlife preserve or a food forest or yeah, to, more or less. To an extent, you know, I know that's a big thing to ask for certain people. Everybody's, but even just part of your everybody's yard. Everybody's different. But yeah, if you can start to just even incorporate um, pollinating, pollinator strong, pollinator friendly flowers into your gardens. That not is just for bees and butterflies. not just for bees and butterflies, <laughs> but for all types of pollinators. That's a great first start. Um, you know, having an organic garden instead, even for not only just your vegetable garden, but also the gardens around your house, like removing those harmful chemicals out of the equation. Um, that's just good as a baseline for everybody, I think. And then um, it's kind of like it's like opening the door to to a lot more so once you start with those little things like working within your own backyard you can really progress year after year finding more things that you can do with your space that are environmentally helpful and sustainable so it doesn't it's not going to happen overnight that's always just always the saying but it it will eventually if you keep putting time and effort into it amen mm. i always inevitably come back to and since you brought up the social dilemma i feel comfortable doing this like what's the the sort of psychosomatic or even just the psychological component that needs to shift and there's obviously that phrase um think globally act locally and it is mm. largely that the thinking and acting in that 
particular way, that sort of balance. And acting locally, obviously, can be as literal as your kitchen, your yard, your patio, your porch, your the little space right around you, the park across the street, maybe the neighborhood, the community garden, the perhaps whole borough, et cetera. It just depends on how large a scale your local can truly be and just mm-hmm. consistently um, paying attention to that. But mm-hmm. also, I think you're, you didn't say this, I'll just add it, but I think it's equally true, just think individually but act collectively. Like you have mm-hmm. to start in, your, in the way you can considering your inherent relationship, which is, I think, what permaculture largely catalyzes when you engage in a more permaculture-like approach to being with Earth. Like You see the borders are completely made up. You see the mm-hmm. inherent sort of mm-hmm. silliness of some of the lines and the constructs and the boundaries. And even just to think of yourself as separate in any way is increasingly kind of laughable. Mm-hmm. That's very true. Yeah. <laughs> well, on that note, <laughs> um, I I like this one. I'm curious, and it is, of course, fun to go from Arnold Schwarzenegger to this. It's but... the mustache, isn't it? <laughs> oh wait, was that on here? <laughs> yeah. Oh gosh, which yeah. one is that? The what's, mis- the, the, what's my favorite mustache? <laughs> Sure. Yeah. That's because of your friend. What's his name? The one that I remember from the Zen Den, the musician. The oh, Matt. Matt. No, Matt Loomis, I know. Oh, Tyler. Well, he's got a cool mustache. Yeah, Tyler. Tyler's mustache. He has, <laughs> he used to have a Salvador Dali mustache. Nice. Um, that I don't believe is anymore. My favorite mustache, I'll have to admit, is typically no mustache at all. <laughs> In, well, it depends. Okay. <laughs> that depends on the context. <laughs> That one probably wasn't even one that I really meant to bring up, but like I figured uh-huh. a little bit of humor in some of these questions might not hurt. <laughs> um, but mustaches, that's fine. We can unpack that some other time if you want to. But I was curious <laughs> about Greta because, mm. you know, in the context of not sort of losing hope, I wonder, I'm, I, yeah, I, I always wonder what people think about Greta Thunberg. Yeah. Are you, are you a big fan? Are you somewhat of a big fan? Um, seems hard not to be inspired. Yeah. Right. That's kind of, that's actually, that would be my response as well. Yeah. I don't know a lot about Greta okay. other than that she is just an amazing younger woman or maybe, yeah, young young woman, young lady who um, obviously has a big <laughs> voice out there and is very, yeah, catalyzing a lot of really awesome things and kind of being a new face for yeah, I'm a fan. An environmental yeah, movement fan. going yeah. on, yeah. So She's I've a total appreciated badass, yeah. exactly every <laughs> everything that she does. I look forward to seeing where 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 she goes and where it takes her. But it's obviously already on a great great pace and great spot. So yeah, I definitely look up to her. Yeah, yeah. How could you not? Right? Unless you don't want. <laughs> yeah, obviously she's an inspiration. Yeah. Um, yeah. Hmm. I guess the question is rooted in kind of what we already got to, which is to say, um, yeah, is it is it important to be thinking urgent with an urgency or acting with an urgency, or can we still 
And I think the answer is kind of like we know from embodying ease. It's it's a bit of a it's a little bit of both. Mm-hmm. Like there, yeah, does seem to be urgency right. compared to when other people were twenty five and thirty five, or uh, just yeah. in general in the past. You know, doing things out of panic is never enjoyable. <laughs> so, you know, it's it'll Basically be point, it'll yeah. be tough to get. You know, it'll be tough to inspire inspire action when it's kind of like we got to do this and we got to do this now. So um, I think that, yes, we're kind of, we're def- we're at a point now that it, it does need to be taken much more seriously and, and with more response and kind of with more um, action involved. Yeah. But I, I don't, I don't want to be the cause for panic, of course, but I would say that, yes, like all of your fans are going to freak whoa no just get out there like there's there's so much that we can just begin to do and that's the most important step you know just opening that door for yourself pragmatically all i'm somewhat sure about the extent like logic is relevant here is that water levels are going to rise and like Mm -hmm. it seems like that's the only piece we can be relatively that Crystal. that we will see in our lifetime. Yeah, yeah. that mm-hmm. seems like yeah, totally hundred percent. Yeah. Okay. So that doesn't again that doesn't have to be cause for panic. It's just acting locally, thinking globally. So what are we going to have to be re? Yeah. How will we have to? And that's where so, politics is going to be inevitable. Yes, exactly. And the legislation is going to be inevitable. Yep. Um, carbon emissions have a big effect on obviously temperatures rising on earth causing glaciers ice caps to melt causing sea level to rise um i was reading i think about by 2030 it's already predicted that sea levels should be rising about another foot um that's a quite a big deal that's a big that's a big (laughs) deal yeah that's gonna be weird for us like you know us all us bucks county folks that go down to the beach like you're gonna start to see some some changes going on along the coastline and um, I think there was another prediction by 2050 it could raise to up to two feet. So like those are those are, you know, that's soon. That's soon in our future. That's something that we'll see. Um, and how will that affect things? Obviously, you know, our, our beaches are going to look different. Our beaches are super developed with a lot of houses that line the coast. I don't know how that will affect those houses that could potentially be dangerous for them. But I also think on even just like the marshlands what's going to happen to the marshlands when the sea level starts to rise and where how does that back up because you know most environments progress slowly most environments have time to shift with as as the area changes as the temperature changes as the coast like the waters change you know shorelines change all the time and have changed many times in our in our past but for it to change so quickly in such a short amount of time is kind of where it starts to be like what exactly what will what will this cause? How will this affect the birds, populations that live there, the animals, the people too, mm. us, you know, we're, we're still inhabitants of the earth. How are we, how's that going to change how we interact with that space? And yeah. I think that gets to the almost annoyingly philosophical side of where people debate all this, like, well, this kind of rate of adaptation is, a nat, you know, that which can adapt is going to adapt, and it's just a natural need. And whatever won't adapt won't adapt. 
And yeah. Yeah, <laughs> I why. mean that too. I can I understand that perspective, but on yes, it's a understandable. Scale like this, that's not realistic. That's not realistic because um, our species can't adapt in twenty years. That evolution has taken billions of years. We can't adapt billions. without dramatic. I guess there's really, I mean, how, what, you can't really sugarcoat it without dramatic suffering. Yeah, I don't know. That's a hard word to use here, of course, because we're trying to not be. Yeah, <laughs> Debbie Downers. <laughs> <laughs> boy, oh boy. Well, without dramatic, <laughs> let's just say without literal adaptation, like actual, like it's an interesting, like um, almost juxtaposition or cognitive distance, like. Yes, somebody's going to have to adapt. Well, it's probably going to have to be you too. Probably everybody. Mm -hmm. So get on board, and it'll be more fun. Yeah, let's do this together. <laughs> Which then, of course, makes that you makes think, it why don't we just easier on the bigger scale? Yeah. yeah. As long as like it's yeah teamwork, man. <laughs> let's fix this. Like yeah. Um, well, it's almost not even fix it at this point. It's let's adapt. Correct. correct. Now. Yes. It's not so much of a. It's not. No, right. We can't go back to what it was. It's adapt to what it is and slow down what we can. So, I mean, we I believe I've seen statistics starts that, you know, stats that. Um, even if we start now changing things like there's still going to be repercussions for years like to follow. We're still going related and electric cars. Related. Correct. Yeah. 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 Electric cars are great. Volkswagen, bravo to them. You know, like they are going full electric. That's great. But I think um, a lot of companies are by a certain oh, relatively yeah? soon. Okay. I didn't know that. Maybe not full, but I hear more and more will be available very, very quickly. Right. Yeah. Um, which is wonderful. And yes, we're, we're starting. That's good. But um, yeah, just the repercussions that we've already had from the carbon that we've already released. It's going to take a while for that to kind of work itself out. Um, so that's, yeah, again, adaptations. We need to, hmm, we need to adapt on many levels. Yes, exactly. And mm -hmm. that's kind of the, the catch-all no matter what your attitude. Like, if you're able to just acknowledge that water levels ri are going to rise, it's not going to be them adapting. It will be everybody adapting. Mm -hmm. And that, that's where it just seems almost... That's where people, of course, get frustrated, and especially on a political um, scale, because it just is so irrational, to say the least, to to not recognize that. It's mm -hmm. just more or less like, are we taking crazy pills kind of moment. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think it often... Which is probably why you don't want to talk about it, and I get it. What are we going to say? Yeah. Nothing. There's nothing <laughs> unique to say there. I'm more interested in, I think, what we're already doing, which is building that boat and mm -hmm. pointing out what the what is a what's the perspective that drives you that feeds you to well be the little little bean and why little bean <laughs> what's the perspective that feeds you on a day-to-day -day <laughs> basis and keeps you smiling to say the least right which is extremely important yeah it is it is important to keep a level of positivity and obviously that that makes life better um well, little... especially because it doesn't seem like a put on or like a pollyanna like fakeness it's you clearly have developed that perspective with a level of um well you've deep you're deeply considered you've deeply considered all of this and still you have a very positive 
seemingly uh, positive yes. perspective. Yes. Yes. <laughs> I mean, I try. Yeah. Okay. So if I if I sit down and think about all of that a lot and kind of like let it get to me and like eat me away, then no, I will not be so positive. I'll be very sad if I think about how horribly things are going right now. But obviously when you work in, you can't, you can't function with a perspective like that. You know, if I sit down and I'm like, oh, wow, nothing's going to get better. We're already in such a horrible place. How will this ever, ever work? How can I have any faith in humanity to, to move forward? You know, that's a lot to question. And I like to be optimistic when I can and work off of hope when I can. So you like to be functional. Also, I like to be said. functional. Yeah. yeah, I like to be able to go out and keep exploring and inspiring where I can. So, yeah, you're asking about Little Bean, which I am questioning on if I that if that should even be the the domain at this point. But it is, so it's it'll stick perhaps. But um, yeah, just like well, it's intriguing, right? And it really has nothing. It, it only it was just a nickname from a long time ago <laughs> that happened to stick, and I was like, oh, it'll just like cross over to my little science account that I'm running. Why not? I figured that. So, yeah, yeah, there's really no story behind there. Um, it was <laughs> the name of a stuffed animal gnome that my friends and I had, and that's kind of like a cute side story that I, I love. I don't have the gnome anymore, but gnomes are great and funny little things. Um, but my goal, my overall goal, especially whenever I'm doing anything outside and sharing it with other people is just to help inspire because that's where my journey began too with growing to learn everything that I have about outdoors, biology, stewardship, sustainability. It all just began by being inspired by the outdoors. There, you know, not too long ago, there was a time where I, you know, I didn't know anything <laughs> that I know now and it just takes it just takes being inspired and wanting to get out there and wanting to learn and then putting effort into that that really changes it um and yeah that's that's what I hope to give people that I hope to start to share and when someone sees something interesting and whether it's coming from me or from out there and just knowing that they can move forward and research that and find that connection and see how that small aspect of the world whether it's a dragonfly or a slug or like a weird leaf on the sidewalk whatever like that they can go and research that and connect to it see what it's doing read about all the different facets of that one particular thing that's a part of the planet that we live on that hopefully can stay continuing to inspire and feed us and give us a place to live a place to call home so that's what that's what I want to see kind of a catch-all beautiful word inspire isn't it like you just you can't go wrong with inspiration as long as yeah it's kind of always helpful as you were talking i was picturing the i was curious what are some of the particulars that did inspire you like the before and after from like oh now i know things like what was mm. the <laughs> mm -hmm. what was it before and mm -hmm. um when was that and i was thinking about my answers to that and it's like oh yeah I actually have some answers, but what are yours? I, I will definitely ask you what yours are too. Yeah. <laughs> um, I remember the first tree I learned was a walnut tree that, you know, my dad, he's a cabinet maker and he 
knows all about all the different types of wood out there and like how to use them and what they're good for. And I remember him and I going on hikes as a kid and walking around and he'd show me and tell me all the different trees. And I was like, wow, that's so cool that all of these trees are different and have different names and different uses. And then it kind of began to grow from there. My brother was um, also very outdoorsy and very into medicinal edible plants um, as we were younger. So I would be out on a hike with him and he'd be showing me, you know, like a random berry on a bush. And he was like, oh, yeah, you can eat this. And I was like, whoa, no way. Like, that's crazy. And just like having those small connections form. Um, and there they were they began off of a personal connection from another person near me that I cared about. So um, they kind of provided that door for me to begin to understand how I could also connect with the natural world in these simple ways as far as eating a berry or looking at a tree and being like, oh, cool, that has a name. It's a walnut tree and the many things that it's good for. Those were kind of the first steps that I took that helped inspire me moving forward. But yeah. So your parents... Yeah. At least your father is a huge part of it. So literally mm -hmm. the fundamental education of being a, a daughter and having a, yeah, a, shown to you growing up. Mm -hmm. Well, that's yeah, it's a pretty important one. Yeah. Because, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't think you can ever create something that, or catalyze um, a sustainable understanding without it being something that's passed on from generation to generation it's right. essentially the whole i think point mm -hmm. to go from one generation to another and of course it hopefully improves and evolves and builds mm -hmm. but there's a progression there's a foundation that's shared and can and can there's continuity mm -hmm. i bet a lot of people ha don't have that mm -hmm. right so you know there's did not have that yeah did you have that? No, I'm, I think a lot of people probably do not or did not. Right. I'm wondering if you did or did not. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I did. And I can relate most to my father for sure. I remember the first time, well, I can't say it's the first time, but I have memories from way, way back at Peace Valley. Peace Valley has always been that kind of, where I think, we, when was it? Like a couple months ago, I saw you on the trail there. Oh, yeah. That was fun. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you and the... I remember one person that was with you. Because it's my friend Sarah, Sarah and Connor and Allie. Yep. Um, just going on the trails there as a kid with my dad, I remember just that. And yeah, there's a lot I could say about those specifics with regard to how my dad showed us certain things um, and my mom, but in a different way. And I will say... I don't think it was deliberately passed on as knowledge, like shared knowledge. And no, no, there's no fault to my parents for that. I just think it's an important, as a father, I observe, I see that and I observe how that may or may not have affected me. And I think, well, passing on knowledge is pretty important to me. And I think probably good to do as a parent in general. Mm -hmm. So I do that with Griffin, of course. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, but those are that is definitely not the main example that comes to mind. But I can certainly remember walking, I think it's the trail, above the creek. If you're on Chapman Road, on this side of the um, bridge, mm -hmm. 
not far from where we that parking lot where we probably both were parked that day. Yeah. You go down the paved hill a little bit and turn right, and you eventually be walking above the creek. You can be looking down at it. Uh, yes. I have memories yep. of that okay. in particular. Yeah. As a very, very young person. That's a nice spot. Thinking, that's so far down. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's a great spot. It's one of the many, many great spots. And just going in the woods there. Like Peace Valley is, I, I've been to a lot of places. I'm, people are certainly better traveled than me, but I've seen a lot. And Peace Valley, especially around in that section of the woods, is, is wonderful. Mm-hmm. It's incredible. Mm-hmm. It's, just so so nice there yeah uh not to be taken for granted yeah so what are the what is the first example that i did think of though um more as an adult but it is certainly young adult i was 20 uh i was 20 i think living in london so i was in college it was 2000 uh six yeah and I was just walking around London, and I, I was also a student in New York at the time. I was studying abroad in London, so a lot of urban experiences at the time. For some reason, there in London, when I is when I first really got a glimpse of the fact that nature, what nature, kind of is like what nature with a capital N kind of is in terms of like the natural world, which eventually started to more clearly realize is everything and we're connected. It's not a separate piece, but specifically witnessing weeds is just something as asinine as just weeds breaking through cracks and cement inevitably being um, something that will degenerate because of just nature. It's just inevitably going to degenerate no matter what we do. We can't stop it. The weeds are going to get through or the moss is going to grow. The the vines are going to find a way up. The ivy's going to take over. Just that. It was something as like basic and also inherently kind of mystical as that. Nothing happened. It was just the time and the place and the right moment for inspiration to just get it. Mm-hmm. Like This is inevitable. This is always going to happen. Because mm-hmm. also I was living near the British Museum where they were literally rebuilding, <clears throat> in a way, rebuilding, maybe not mm-hmm. literally, the um, Parthenon from Athens inside of the museum i just think this is so we are so funny um that's breaking that's that's falling apart as it inevitably would and we're putting it back together inside of a museum that's inevitably going to fall apart and the inherent inevitability was just so sort of hilarious to me in a way because it's okay if we do it on purpose but i just don't think we are Mm -hmm. i don't think we're really aware of the sort of silliness of that goes against the nature of time yeah and yeah succession any yeah yeah and it's good to want to have something that endures and to establish anything with the intention of it enduring and sustaining i think that's that's good like i wouldn't say stop that like we don't all have to just live in wigwams or teepees or anything like that i'm actually not at all suggesting that but being aware of the inherent the inevitable continuity it's never going to stay the same it's always going to change that's it that was kind of the key at that moment that's a funny perspective like definitely (laughs) let's put together this old temple which will yeah fall apart inside this other kind of temple thing museum that will eventually fall apart and then do it again like why not but yeah and it's okay it was just it is i don't know if we're doing it with the kind of it's a funny yeah it's a funny way of 
looking at what we do. Yeah. 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 And it's everywhere. Of course, in other museums, we just put the things that are falling apart together and just on a smaller scale. I just remember specifically thinking, wow, the we're going to rebuild it inside of this building. Mm -hmm. This is funny. And mm -hmm. I, I was young to, yeah, it was something that at this point I might not even care about. But at the time, I, it was obviously memorable. Yeah. When you were talking about um, Peace Valley with your dad mm -hmm. um, and learning about learning or just experience, having that experience shared through family, um, it just was making me think about how a lot of kind of outdoor encounters, kind of learning about nature in some kind of way. Usually I've found through just like asking other kind of nature lovers, other botanists, friends of mine who are out there with me, like, you know, what, what was, what brought you into this? Like what it's, it's not often that you meet someone that is also like as crazy about botany as you can be sometimes. And when you do, it's kind of like, what's your story? Like, how did you get here too? And every, most people that I've encountered kind of had, had someone be that lead into the field. So having someone like an educator of some kind, a parent, a teacher, a friend, someone who brought you out there with them and started to explain things to you about what they're looking at or what they're seeing and kind of helping you explore that connection that you didn't know was there perhaps originally. I may not have ever known that if it weren't for my dad or my brother kind of being the lead in describing to me what what was out there and what I was looking at, you know? Um, yeah, this makes an amazing dining room table. This makes a great... Uh, baseball bat. <laughs> baseball bat. This wood will never <laughs> rot. This wood this will rot tomorrow. Like, yeah. yeah, some interesting things that are both like a connection of how our world works around us you know the wood that's in this room right now or this table or you know the trees out there but it's kind of having that what I'm I guess what I'm trying to get is like having a connection to nature sometimes begins with having a connection to another person and it's kind of like a beautiful thing that you can share with them um even sharing knowledge you know like the whole agricultural field is based off of sharing knowledge what culture agricultural oh, agri field yeah. yeah just like how how certain crops are grown and what practices to use as even as small scale as a garden to as large scale as a commercial farm you know like looking back historically that is the backbone of how of how societies began like having being able to grow our own food was the reason why we could begin to grow as a culture or other cultures to grow as a culture and then eventually lead into this and for better or for worse you know it 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 was the beginning so having that connection and beginning to understand how to connect with what you're growing or just what's around you and how to use it is amazing and that's shared through through interpersonal connections and through other people and what you're growing and also just what you're i think you're inherently in relationship with like you were saying, you could be eating the wild berries, mm -hmm. um, catching the fish, knowing which mushrooms to forage uh, mm -hmm. and which trees to fell for a particular purpose. Mm -hmm. um, there's a, in, there's a, I guess, pretty old debate about whether or not agriculture is inherently, I think it's fair to say the question is, and I'm not putting a stamp and you probably know where I'm going with this, like to blame for some of our problems. Mm -hmm. I don't know. I'm not 
I don't think I think that's a gross oversimplification. Growing food is probably a great thing to do on right. purpose. It's just a matter of on what scale yeah. and with what uh, intention and and with back to that biodiversity requirement. Yeah. That argument could be made definitely on on all kinds of levels. Like, yes. <laughs> yeah, like I mean the the scale that the agriculture I think industry. I it's, it's a silly has, oversimplification at this point. Right, yeah. right, but it has it does have a point. Like, yes, the agricultural industry has grown to a place that is no longer sustainable necessarily. But that's the scale of an industry that Correct. has a very different intention. Obviously, mm -hmm. it's an inherently sort of right. monetary intention. It's really. changed a lot since it first began, <laughs> to say the least. Um, but that's like yeah. you were talking about with permaculture. Permaculture is an amazing way to increase biodiversity into, into an agricultural setting. So it's not just a monocrop. It's not just a singular. It's not just corn for miles. It's corn and other plants and like maybe some trees mixed in too like it kind of like it plays upon a more uh, biodiverse opportunity which is a great way that things could go eventually but yeah the it seems like they have to no yeah. isn't like to me that seems like one of those requirements that we just like went it's a question of not maybe we'll figure that as like no we will that's what we are gonna mm -hmm. have to is that fair in your opinion I think it's a great idea. <laughs> and then yeah. I begin to think about all of the companies that are out there that would have to agree to a change like adapt. that. Yeah, adapt. Adapt. That, that is that in a way that is not financially adaptation. feasible for them to possibly do. You know, that's where a lot of... A lot of um, yeah, probably not. Yeah, mm -hmm. it will not be a profitable context anymore. But then yeah. that's where kind of, I would say, what would be the word for that? Just like certain things are subsidized, you know, for for ease and gains of certain industries, this would kind of probably fall into that realm of like what governmental changes need to happen for these other things to kind of fall into place more easily. Like all of these things kind of need to change together. So sub subsidizing hypothetically an almond orchard to become an inherently more sustainable uh, obviously hundreds of or thousands of acre forest mm -hmm. is a that's a good idea isn't that a, that's a actually very interesting idea you bore said mm -hmm. more or less what you were just suggesting and then that is tough though because an almond orchard might need a certain amount of sunlight so it can't necessarily have all these trees competing with other trees to be a profitable probably can't have right? any trees taller than the almond trees mm -hmm. i suspect mm -hmm. right <laughs> so then but you could possibly work with the understory creating a more a beneficial understory around those trees that could provide habitat for native species if we're talking about that one particular setting. So. Yeah, and then it would be inevitable that the subsidies would support the almond farmers having other means of other, uh, I guess, products to sell and to Perhaps. be providing. Right. Right, if it's a permaculture setting or an agroforestry agro setting, yeah, that could be that could be the case. That's a pretty kick-ass idea. That's a good idea. <laughs> the only problem is most <laughs> almond orchards are in California, where California has a drought. Almonds need one almond tree needs like. Well, that's why I brought that example. Okay, up, because isn't that so much water? The primary that is not there for them. Isn't almond farming more or less like the most obviously unsustainable context right now? Yeah, that's a very unsustainable farming practice, farming almonds, almonds especially in California. Well, so specifically California, not just anywhere. 
anywhere, yes. I know there's a lot of almond farms in California. Yeah. And that's problematic with right. the water shortages there. Yeah. And so given how you're obviously thinking pragmatically and you and which again is where politics and legislation inevitably do come into play and to literally acknowledge the potential for subsidies to me is pretty pretty cool it sounds like you're thinking about how can this practically change as opposed to just they all have to stop and the almond trees yeah <laughs> yeah that's the that's it is like that tough shit you're gonna have to just stop your farming right like that's if, that, if that could happen, happen that'd be great <laughs> well yeah for so, but not for them, obviously. And no, therein exactly. lies the ah, uh, yes, the conundrum. Yeah, for humans, right? Everybody, <laughs> you know, that you need. Obviously, everybody needs their jobs, and that industry is a very a profitable industry. It has many different avenues um, that almonds are used for. But yeah, it it becomes yeah, it's a, a very multifaceted issue that a lot of there's just so many moving parts when it comes to it. And I just that's like just your basic, one example. Yeah, I just like the basic point of the government being engaged like it was with, I believe, FDR in the beginning of the New Deal to mm. support farming moving in a more inherently, uh, dare I say, truly progressive or enlightened or real direction, which is to me, the most important word, because the reality is this is an inherently destructive approach, the monocrops and the excessive, like trying to force something to work in this particular arena, like an almond farm in California where, or the corn or the whatever it is elsewhere. Like just accepting that that's just, we know how this is going to play out. So as the governing body providing the means to move that in a better direction seems like a no-brainer like what the hell what, mm -hmm. why the hell not what better approach to that particular challenge is there mm -hmm. i mean the bottom line is people would obviously <laughs> make enough money to feed their family and clearly that could work <laughs> right i know <laughs> <laughs> but but here we are <laughs> is, that where you, is that where you're tempting you're, you're sort of taking this breath so you don't say something cynical <laughs> sort of yeah i mean yes actually yeah i guess i, I i'll I, say it for you if you want i pause myself continue <laughs> oh no why would we bother saying it of course you know a friend of mine is uh you may know him too connor the he's the head of the or the i think the term is chair of the doylestown democrats and oh, okay um i think he's very right about what prog what being progressive needs to look like and the reality that we're talking in a way that i believe is inherently meant to be educational like inspiring different perspectives or better dare i say better perspectives i'll use that word you don't have to agree to it mm -hmm. um on a lot of different scales obviously your focus being ecology if you will or botany and, and science in general and the relationship with of humans and the environment so to speak and all of everything uh, how everything is connected to me that is just the direction education needs to go period that is an inherently fully integrative educational model connor is somebody who focuses on the reality that we have to play the legislation game we have to do the political 
dance and macarena and sometimes 100%. yeah i mean <laughs> that's walk the plank and that's where my <laughs> hula hoop <laughs> that's where i hesitate because yes like these things definitely need to be integrated no question about it but how do you begin that process or how do you even push that process when there are so many kind of roadblocks ahead of you and it's nobody's fault everybody's working with the amount of information that they have available to them at the given time meaning for someone who might disagree or put pressure back towards those legislations being passed but it's how do you continue to educate those people and to give them the opportunity to change their mind what if the you answer know? is as simple as just keep going whatever way you can mm -hmm. that's a good answer well, I would yeah, say, it, yeah, no matter what. It's a better yeah. answer than trying to like, come up with a strategy that's going to take time and energy and may or may not work. Mm -hmm. And it's not the same as just banging your head on a wall or running against it like a ram. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it's like a puzzle or a game almost. Just whatever piece you can continue to move, <laughs> move it. Did you watch Game of Thrones? <laughs> I did, but how is it relevant? Uh, I'm just thinking of, of Peter Baelish. Chaos is a ladder. <laughs> oh, wow. Did you just, just compare like me to Littlefinger? No, no, not you, but playing the game. Playing, that is Littlefinger, right? Playing the game. Um, yeah, that that was a quote from Littlefinger himself. Oh, God. Yeah, but, one of the scariest quotes in the entire series. Yeah. But his that game is government, was... government, though. Play well, the game. <laughs> that's, yes, yes. That's if you're just interested in power, which I right. don't think we're any no. of us are discussing. Right, no. It's acknowledging that the temptation to... Or the, the attraction of power is, is one of the sort of, I guess, challenges that has to be considered. Mm. Temptation, yeah. Mm -hmm. To just want power for power's sake. Right. Which I guess is what that show was largely about. Yes, that was, that was definitely a major <laughs> plot point of that show. <laughs> Did you like the ending? I know that it, it didn't really work for... <laughs> Most of us, I think. Yeah. Right. Yeah, it sort of yeah. fell flat yeah. for most of us. <laughs> it's not considered to be a, one of the greatest shows by a number of... Uh, there was a recent... Um, I think it was oh, like no. a top something list that just came out, and it was nowhere near the top. Oh, yeah. those poor... <laughs> poor show. And they were doing so well for so long, and then that last season, they just, they were just like, eh, whatever. Oh, those we'll poor, just finish it off here. Poor, poor... Oh, those poor, fame. poor people. Poor. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I did. I mean, I love that show. Off. I love that series, that book. Last season, yes. Did, you read it, the did whole it let me down? You read yes, all of it? it did. Um, I don't think I've read all of them. No. Okay. But I've I've the read one, I've read least. a lot of them. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm eagerly awaiting more <laughs> one day. <laughs> I don't think you're gonna get it. No, I may never. Well, <laughs> I I would outlive him. I think so. We'll see. That's not the reason. I don't think he's writing it. No, he is writing oh, it. Oh, he is. He is working on it. I mean, for how long that when might take, like another when did 50 he last years. Say that? I don't remember exactly. I believe I read an article somewhere, but. Well, you might be right. Hmm. I thought that it was fairly like like a joke at this point that George R. R. Martin oh, was like not. pretending, oh, yeah, I'll write it. <laughs> right. But I, maybe <laughs> you're better right. not be. <laughs> Heard it here first. <laughs> yeah. Listen Whoa. up. Listen up, George. I uh, I don't know what the answer is there. But mm. yeah, the ending fell flat for a couple people, I think. Mm -hmm. yeah. Understandably poor, so. Poor Kit. Understandably so. Oh. 
<laughs> my man john that's where <laughs> yeah. it goes for you john john oh, boy i love john yeah, yeah of course yeah i love all of them so what much. is it about john in particular because i think that's probably one oh. thing everybody would agree on is john snow john snow being Two amazing yeah oh 100 i mean he's one of the most loyal characters in the entire show and honest and hardworking and what else good looking no what <laughs> um only if he had a mustache oh if only <laughs> i'm gonna but look up what you said yeah, about he's just a great great person and kind of was never trying to play anybody was never trying to play the game of thrones he never wanted power it just like just all in all you know a good a good person a good human someone to look up to and definitely like lead a crowd even if he didn't want to is he someone who would work toward the greater good, help his fellow travelers, protect his friends, and follow love? Oh, my God. Yes, he is. <laughs> <laughs> um, so just like Aragorn, according just to like Lil, Lil Bean Science here. Lil B Science. Just like Strider. Mm. So. Hmm. Were we talking about D&D before we started recording? Yes. And, yeah, okay. That was before. Yeah. So that's a fun little fact about you. You play Dungeons and Dragons. Yes, yes, I do. <laughs> mm -hmm. Were you, have you been doing that for a while? Um, I have been doing it for about a year now, a little inconsistently, but yeah, it's been about a year since I began starting. Do, is Sorry. Joe Wallace part of the league? No, Joe is not part of it. Yeah. Is he a D&Der? Yeah. I didn't know you that. You guys got to get on the oh, same team. We'll have to talk Or whatever, about that. however yeah. that works. Yeah, maybe your Elvish can't thank you. Mm -hmm. I do not know the lingo. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Yeah, You're get welcome. on your campaign needs to meet up with his campaign. Yeah, that and would be great. Do whatever it is you do. Mm -hmm. You go on crazy adventures. Go on crazy adventures. There mm -hmm. you go. He's a big D and D guy. He's a big adventure guy. It's wild. And I know you worked with him. Yeah, with on the EAC. To, what was it? On the Environmental Advisory Council. Got it. Right. Yep. That's he actually did work for Indigenous before I worked there. That's right. So we we did not cross paths there, but I had he heard of him there, and then eventually at, when I joined the Environmental Advisory Council, <laughs> he was there. So I was like, Oh, Joe. He was at the same fence that we met at. <laughs> wow. Oh, cool. Yeah. Oh. I knew him before then, but. Oh, okay. Um, the one time <laughs> I, I saw. Say, Damn that fence! <laughs> nice. What a fence! What mm -hmm. a fence it is. <laughs> well, he was there before they put the fence up. Is I guess the point. And there was then, no fence at one point. When I moved into that property, no. Let me rephrase that. It was getting rebuilt. They put a new. Oh. That was a new fence. Okay. Yeah, which was kind of obvious when you looked at it. it was a new fence. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> they're part of it or whatever everything but the old door on my property at the time okay yeah nice anna and steve steve mm -hmm. yeah put up a new fence gotcha um does indigenous still take care of their garden i believe so <laughs> yeah they've been one of the longest customers there they were one of the first i believe so and i think I, I don't know right now, but I haven't, it's been a, how long has it been? A month, maybe? I I'm not keeping We'll track. get to your retirement in a moment. My retirement. Yeah, <laughs> your, yeah your retirement to become yeah. fully Miss Lil Bean Educator. Oh, yeah. That's not, no, I'm not. No, all right. I, well, maybe I am. Well, I, I it's do. It's an interesting progression, but yes. Yeah. Well, you are now, it's new that you're 
you are more directly engaged in like educational yeah um avenues avenues like Mm -hmm. you're take you're aren't you running a sort of not a camp but Hmm. so most what am i getting wrong most recently which i think you're (laughs) referring to is i did do i led a, a native plant hike that one that was through the lehigh valley chapter of the pa native plant society so i am not directly well i don't know how that works exactly um my friend jeff runs that and so he invited me to lead a hike with them. So they're looking for other environmental enthusiasts, plant, native plant enthusiasts um, who can lead hikes. And I offered to lead a hike with the, with the society. So it worked out that I was able to do that. And yes, some of my, my fan database crowd came. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> but yeah, it was led through that. Um, and that's been the most recent um, educational opportunity that I've led there are there yeah there are more on the horizon coming up but okay yeah well that's probably what I maybe assumed or interpreted yeah yeah that will continue I'll definitely work with them again um and then we'll see we'll see what else there are some things that may come to fruition so we'll (laughs) we'll see how that how that all plays out some irons in the fire, as mm, they say. Yes, yes. yes. Oh, sh- but you, you sit back as if <laughs> we'll have to wait and see. <laughs> to so you're not ready to divulge the full post-Indigenous Ingenuities world. Right. Okay. Right. Fair enough. I work for Kind Earth Growers right now. So I, oh, wait. I you left Indigenous and I began a new job at Kind Earth Growers where um, they're an amazing native plant nursery up in Ottsville, PA. They have amazing wetland plants meadow plants all native all the time so good and um with them i'm helping begin their newsletter i'm helping them kind of update their website and those kinds of things so those are some other um the newsletter especially will be kind of another educational online avenue for people to take and also learn more about kind earth and their mission and the plants that they provide and the benefits of those plants on an environmental and sustainable level. So, are they going to be at the good. market again soon? I remember they were there two years or I, last year at some right. point. Right, they used to run. Um, yeah. yeah, they used to run a stand at the Doyle's Town Farmers Market. Doyle's, I, I mean, they, that. yeah, the right. market. There's only one. They did stop. Yeah, right. I know for all our for all our listeners here. Um, yeah, but they did have a stand there. They don't anymore. I don't think they're going to. Uh-huh. You know, retail isn't necessarily there their focus these days they're a wholesale nursery so they primarily focus to um contractors and just like other other larger large companies that are are purchasing from them but um they do they did just finish their market they have a market stand at their business on site so that just actually ended last weekend but maybe one day they'll return to the doylestown farmers market we maybe shall see one day probably not this year but yeah that was a great stand and are they right around um is it 563 yeah 412 563 and 412 yeah they're on 563 itself near the oh wow cow correct and there was yeah got it oh yeah yeah i've seen it there yeah excellent Trying to remember their names. I know Bridget used to talk about them. John, John, Mark, Courtney, and Aaron Range. <laughs> yes. John, Mark, Courtney is one yes, name. That is his full name. <laughs> and Aaron yes. Range. Yes. And does he introduce yeah. himself as? Hi, I'm John Mark. Hello, Courtney. I'm Mr. John Mark Courtney. No, no, just John. You should. 
Mm. <laughs> he shouldn't. Don't do it. All right, never mind. I take it back. Edit that out. No. <laughs> yeah, we've covered a lot of this itinerary mm-hmm. and then some mm-hmm. really quite organically. And I didn't expect this to go through it in any sort of like list way, which I said you probably didn't expect either. Good. No. Um, mustaches are always that's fine if you want to talk about that but i do think the cicadas are more interesting oh yes what would you like to know about the cicadas (laughs) oh yes (laughs) um how long are they going to be around yeah (laughs) people want to know question yeah they are actually starting to die back at this point so i don't know if you've noticed a decimal uh dropping in the sound but yep they are starting to Yes, they're starting to die back. So they've been around for about a month at this point. I, mm, at the rate they're going, I'd probably give them another couple weeks till maybe they're they're oh, wow. done. Maybe okay. maybe a little longer. But yeah, I mean, there's about a week solid there that we were experiencing some really crazy crazy sounds out there. So I think that that is that is past. That is definitely past at this point. I hope that everyone got a chance to go outside while that was happening, though. That was like a a whole somatic sound experience it was amazing going out there and just having like your entire body be encompassed by these vibrating cicada sounds absolutely amazing yeah i loved that they won't return again until 2038 yeah enjoy it while you can get them now or wait Mm -hmm. 17 years Mm -hmm. but there are different cicadas that come out every yes in a different rhythm some 17 years some every year right yep so this is um a periodical cicada so brood x is what it's called a periodical cicada um if you've seen them you'll notice they're very different from the yeah, regular cicada the we've black, seen they're brown badass little creatures yeah they're smaller too than yeah the... they are a little smaller you're right yeah totally um yeah black red eyes yellow wings loud scary screechy noises um i hope at, at my work, we work outside sometimes and we were often kind of standing, working with our plants and they would occasionally like come pelting at us. Like they'd, they'd, they'd assume that we were a tree, you know, and they'd be like, oh, I'm going to go land on that funny thing. So they'd come like landing on us. It's, it's a great time. They're, they're harmless. They actually, I don't think they eat anything during this stage of their life. They're just alive to breed, lay eggs and die. So That's they're just kind of, they're just kind of out there like making noise trying to find a mate, trying to lay eggs, and then they'll just go away. Um, but yeah, they're they're cute little, <laughs> they're great. They're great little things. Yeah. Um, but yes, they are, there's an annual cicada, the Eastern, uh, what's the word? What's the name? It's just, it's an Eastern green cicada. I forget if that's the right ner- right term. They're greener. They are, sure. they're certainly bigger greener, and greener. Slightly green or bigger. Um, kind of like have a nice like blue and white, black, green hue going on, all kinds of stuff. So those will come out every year. Um, I don't know. I, the whole thing about how does the 17-year cicada know how to wait 17 years, I don't think we even really truly understand why it cho- why it chooses 17 years. I've heard from um, other, just other botanists, other biologists out there that they think it is possibly uh, derived from pathogens and certain viruses not being able to count that 
odd number. So mm. having it be 17, having it be an odd number, I mean, there's a lot of odd numbers out there. Who knows why they chose 17? But it, a pathogen or a virus just can't count that, count to that level. So it's kind of like outcompeting um, issues there with that. And so they're able to, yeah, just just have their their massing, their their mass hatching every 17 years and go back under. They go under the frost line. They hide out in the soil, kind of drinking sap from tree roots and then climb all up and, and do their thing. So good yeah. for them. Right. Good for them. Yeah, they're funny. It is a wonderful mystery. And are there not others that come out in different rhythms? Like not just annually, not just 17 years, but there is a 10-year cicada, too. Years, I believe wow. there's a 10-year cicada. I don't know much about that one. Yeah. But This is why I don't host a show about bugs. Uh-huh. Like I don't even know how to ask the right questions. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It ties into movement. It ties into how everything's connected. But, um, yeah, you're, you would have to just really be passionate about all things cicada for this to probably continue. Totally. This part. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. But. You do know a lot about insects, though. I guess. I know a lot about these cicadas for sure. <laughs> I know some things about other insects. There's, um, you know, butterflies, but there's actually three types of what we would call a butterfly, which is actually a Lepidoptera. So there's that whole thing. There's butterflies, there's skippers, and there's moths. You can tell the difference based off the type of antenna that they have and also how they hold their wings too. Skippers usually hold their wings. I believe it's slightly fanned out and they have an antenna that is hooked at the end or now I'm getting my facts mixed up. But butterflies, you know, whether they have their wings fully. Oh, yeah. So you're going to fact check me? Please. Well, please do. No, please do. Not fact check. Just help you out. No, that's great. Thank you. And then moths also have their their funny little furry antennas. Um, and obviously only come out at night and that whole thing. But yeah, that's like, that's something I never realized until later researching about it more. It's just like, oh, there's butterflies, but then there's also these cute little thing is called skippers and there's moths too so they're all kind of their own different little thing it's very nice and then that's where like the general interest and passion comes in because it's like oh you think it's one thing but then you dive a little bit deeper into it and it's like whoa there's like all this other information out there about this thing that i thought was just so singular and it's actually so multifaceted okay yeah i did look so this makes perfect sense because i see these we see these all the time and those of us who are just not as, I guess, curious, don't bother thinking past, huh, that looks different than a butterfly or a moth. It's called a skipper. Uh -huh. And if you look it up, the pictures are obviously what we see all over the place. And uh -huh. it's the insect that is yeah. obviously not a butterfly or not a moth. It is yes. called a skipper. Mm -hmm. Why don't we have as much appreciation for skippers? I, you know. Or, or is that just me? No, it's not just you. <laughs> I didn't know there was a difference until I took an entomology class. You know, like it's something, again, that we are maybe taught or maybe not. And it just depends on what our exposure is. So your dad <sighs> wasn't walking around explaining the insects as well as the trees. Mm, yeah. Okay. <laughs> Fair enough. Huh. Right. The sun has gone down. It has. It's hard not to it's notice. finally cooling off a little bit. It was pretty, <laughs> pretty strong there. I was actually sweating a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, Me too. The there is another question here on our list, but uh, we kind of already touched on it, and we don't have to even go through more of this list at all. It's 
But I, I am curious, and you, you may have already kind of answered this, if you could choose one or two or however many you want, um, particular sort of lessons, cultural oh. lessons to really hone in on here and that sink in. That was a in. tough question. I think you've hit on one already, if not more than one, but is there anything obvious? I think the lesson I like to promote the most the most is just to be curious and to keep exploring. You know, I think sometimes like like for the example of butterflies, you know, we're told like okay, it's butterflies, it's just butterflies. You don't really need to go looking into too much more than that, but you curiosity oh this butterfly looks different from this butterfly what's going on with that why is that like that kind of asking asking the why and following through and chasing that curiosity you know and maybe not everybody is as passionate about learning about outdoorsy things but you know whatever that one little thing might be that you can kind of dive into it's worthwhile it's worthwhile doing that and most people that I meet are to some level or another, like they want to kind of regain that connection. And not everyone's going to be as extreme as, you know, like, as I was saying earlier, like we were getting pelted by cicadas at work. Some people react and are very afraid of them and don't don't like getting a cicada landing on them. And some people are like, oh, cool, it's a cicada. Like I got chosen or something like it's just like everybody has kind of a different reaction to that. Um, and this one woman who I work with, you know, she does not like getting a cicada on her. That that bothers her. I understand that. I don't like when I find a random spider in my tub. Sometimes it's like, whoa, how did you get there? But she's starting to kind of like ease into like, it's okay. Like, it's okay for this cicada to land on me. And that's sometimes like a nice first step that people can take, even just on that level for someone who really, you know, dislikes Someone might really highly dislike insects or dislike being outside, but like finding those little wiggle rooms where like you can start to form a connection, even if it's not going to be like the deepest connection ever to the natural world, like there's still them out there. And that's kind of a, it's nice to see people do that. And I see that as they also want to do that too. So that's one lesson. That's something I'd like to, I'd like to. I'd like to hope that people can progress forward on and yeah, find a level of interest in. For me, that's enough. That's good enough. Mm. If you have an obvious one, please go on and share it. But that was great. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. That's what comes to mind right now. I think that's perfect. Yeah. Only because of the climactic nature of this sun and what we were experiencing most of the time, it does seem like a place to pause. What do you think? That sounds good. Yeah? Yeah. Okay. Hmm. Yeah, we did We did prepare this. It's hard. I don't have any other... Mm-hmm. There's nothing else that obviously jumps out. Anything else on this that you want to specify, you specifically mm. feel drawn to hit on? Hmm. <laughs> Just oh. Oh. Um. 
something that we are doing locally, um, something else that we're doing locally, which I want to touch on is something that the EAC is actually working on too. Um, as, as a, so the EAC, the Environmental Advisory Council kind of acts as like a support group to initiate some environmental plans and um, for the Doylestown Council, the Borough Council to kind of act upon and, and bring into um, working order for the borough. And one of those things is called the Sierra 100, which I thought was like a really exciting topic. It's the Sierra Club kind of initiating towns across the country to um, ready for 100, get to a 100% green renewable energy source for a town for in this case, the Doylestown Borough, and that's something that is being worked towards as far as, and I'm getting a little fuzzy on the on the points of it right now, but the general, the gist is, is to have it, have Doylestown Borough like running off of renewable energy and to have kind of like much, a much more decreased um, footprint, carbon footprint in that level. So whether that's like the packaging that restaurants are using or like what the energy grid is like for the Doylestown borough, that's something that they're working on right now. Um, and I think I can't remember exactly what the timeline was for that, but I just want to point that out that that's out there, that's happening. That's something for people to look into more if they'd like to the Sierra 100. Um, and that's something that the borough is working towards as well, which is, I think, absolutely amazing. It is. Yeah. Yes. It's almost like a transition town kind of approach or mm -hmm. but with a, maybe more of a uh, solid foundation but mm -hmm. is it sierra 100 or cr 100 sierra sierra, so like the sierra, sierra club, club. Okay. yes so it is yeah connected to the sierra mm -hmm. club yeah it's how i met seth back in the day oh okay he used to work for the sierra club i didn't know that well it's not how i met him but i met him and that was one of our initial connections yeah yeah he was working for them i think at the time nice um the sierra 100 yeah well we'll we'll plug that a little bit more later on too that is great yeah and are you still part you're still involved with the eac yep that's awesome yeah how does somebody get involved in that um whenever they that? have a, a seat opening so that's usually um broadcasted probably by the website or by facebook and um you go in you interview for a seat you kind of talk to them about what your experiences are what you'd bring to the table and they make their choice. So I was able to volunteer. Yeah, I, I volunteered. I went in for an interview about a year ago or so um, and was luckily chosen to be a part of it and very, very grateful that I was. It's a great experience, really good for learning and understanding even just how local government works. And that so gives kind me of like a quasi-politician. I guess so yeah. a little bit. I'm yeah. even the chair. Yeah. yeah you're like a politician. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. See, that's why. Yeah, that's why you're a local celebrity. You're you're literally engaged in politics, <laughs> whether you want to be or not. Hmm. It's not an elected position. That was the point. Technically. Right. Technically, okay. no. But it is an appointed committee. That's right. And they got political connections. Right. All right. And Joe was on that too. Joe was yes. Yeah. Joe was the old chair. Oh. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Cool. Yeah, that is a big deal. And I so by when is there meant to be some kind of like are there checkpoints that are being hit along along for this year 100 since the pandemic um, that put us kind of that paused the the curve on that a little bit. So we're kind of re 
reevaluating what the new curve would be. And so that our goal right now as the, the EAC is to lay out what that timeline looks like. Um, Steve Nelson, one of the members of the council, is working on that layout as we speak. So that's kind of what his um, area of expertise is, and that's what he's working on right now. And he's working on that with kind of the basis of other boroughs and other towns around us and seeing how they're doing it, seeing how that can relay into the borough as well. So what format we can follow with that. So. And this is where that plastic bag uh mm -hmm. i guess yes and that's another thing coming from the yeah yeah exactly that that was inspired um based off of that since the pandemic hit we kind of for a while we were hoping to push more um reusable packaging or biodegradable packaging for doylestown restaurants to use when the pandemic hit you know it was kind of it you know took away that pressure. That was not the time for that kind of pressure to be put on businesses, local businesses who are trying to get by. But we're hoping for the future when things start to even out again that we can, you know, bring that bring back that initiative for the for the borough. Good. Yeah. Probably this year, hopefully. Hopefully. Yeah. A lot, yeah, to be determined a lot, I guess. Mm -hmm. Well, good. Yeah. Read it again. Anything else? We'll skip the mustaches. <laughs> My favorite plaids. What was that question for? Uh, look at your shirt. <laughs> Is that just... She probably likes plaids. <laughs> she definitely likes plaids. Every time... I'm pretty sure every time I've seen you back with Indigenous Ingenuities, anywhere just working, I'm pretty sure you were the plaid one. Always wearing plaids? I, I don't know. I suspect most of the time... Okay. could be wrong okay. i can't prove it but yeah i mean yeah i got gotta, i got this one going right now so yeah yeah. <laughs> yeah we don't have a good record of it but that's i'll look okay. i'll that's look up okay. one quick picture maybe oh, there's really <laughs> well we can just go to like indigenous ingenuity's uh page or something i bet there's a picture of you in plaid actually i, I think you're probably right <laughs> <laughs> Oh, no, here's you without plaid. Two pictures oh. without plaid. Because this is your, like, again, retirement. Um, My retirement. <laughs> actually, no. Mostly you're not in plaid in these shots. There's one, though, in front of the home that we were speaking of. Oh, yep. Yep. Right there. Me so I guess it's plaid. just when it's a little colder. Yeah. Yeah. No, a lot of the time you don't have plaid on. I'm. I was wrong. But I didn't put a lot of thought into some of those questions. It just seemed like mm -hmm. let's mix and match. Stream of consciousness, yeah. Well, like you Great. said, it's your first first time being on a podcast. Like, there you well, let's go. let's get some. Let's get a little bit of this, a little bit of that. Um, do you want to talk about your favorite plaid, though? I think we covered it. Okay, <laughs> I think we did too. I think so. So that okay. we we kind of got it all then. There we are. Yes. Okay. And then some. A plus. We'll leave it at that. <laughs> All right. Good. And the sun is almost down, so perfect timing. All right. Thank you. Thank you. Well, that was wonderful. And I think we'll be able to continue with her another time because there's clearly more to unpack and... The relevance of everything that she brings to the table is only going to increase, to say the least. 
So Victoria, most importantly, thank you for joining me. Thank you for joining us and see you around. And again, everybody, if you haven't looked at Lil Bean Science in particular, uh, and you want to generally just know more about what Victoria is up to and how to engage with her and learn with her, learn from her, um, I think you will be glad you, I know you will be glad you did. She is a wealth of knowledge. She's delightful. Um, needless to say, there's a lot. Yeah. I'm impressed. And uh, I know that doesn't necessarily mean a damn thing, but I think it's worth saying. Very, very impressive. And I didn't mention this earlier, but it's obvious, you know, she's she's engaged politically as well. So I guess we kind of mentioned that during the show with the EAC. Um, I think if you have an interest in you know, being, I guess, part of that with her. Uh, it's probably worth can, probably worth going that direction. All right, I'll leave it at that. Thanks for listening. Talk later. Bye bye.